Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. If I were to name a biblical character, other than Jesus, of course, from our Bible, for me it would have to be Peter. Sometimes we call him Simon, sometimes we call him Simon Peter. If there were anyone in our Bible who I think would uh, speak without thinking, who would act without thinking, who would have his foot in his mouth and then try to get the second foot in there with it, if anybody would make rash promises that he could never keep, I think that someone has to be Peter. So we are going to be reading from John's Gospel. I need to grab another music stand here, get myself organized a little bit so I have some room. We are going to be reading from John's Gospel, but I I just wanted to give some background before we do that. I'd like to take a moment just to look at Peter's walk as a a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and what we know about Peter uh, to this point, and I think we can see ourselves in many areas of Peter's life. Jesus saw Simon Peter and his brother Andrew fishing. That was their life. That was their career. And he said to them, follow me. And they left everything and followed him for his three years on earth and then beyond. And it was one Sabbath after they were worshiping in the synagogue, that would be their church, that Peter invited uh, Jesus and others to his home. And Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. A miracle in his own home. And one night, it was a storm at sea. They were in their boat. They were having a really hard time in the storm. And Jesus comes walking towards their boat. Let them know who he is, but they are very afraid that it's a ghost. And it's Peter who steps out of the boat while the others stay safe. And Peter walks on water. When Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? What's the, what's the word out there about me? But more importantly, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who said, You are the Messiah. However, when Jesus was talking about being a disciple, Peter said, well, we've left everything for you, Jesus. What are we going to get for it? Quite a question. And when Jesus tried to tell his disciples about the cross, that he was going to have to suffer and die, Peter just spoke up and burst in and said, you can't say those things. Don't say that you're going to die. And Jesus had to reprimand him. And when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and Peter said, no, I can't let you do that. And Jesus said, well, then you have no part of me. So Peter comes back and says, well, then wash my hands and wash my head. He just couldn't let Jesus do what Jesus needed to do. And it was Peter who said, Jesus, I'll never leave you, even if all the rest of them do. I'll go to prison for you. I'll even die for you. According to John's gospel, it was Peter who drew a sword when Jesus was being arrested and cut off the ear of the slave of the high priest that night. But in all these things and in others, we think, Peter, Peter, Peter. And then we think how Jesus must have at times just smiled, other times been a bit frustrated, times he had to reprimand Peter. But he must have thought, will I ever be able to teach this man? Have we heard ourselves in Peter's life? Well, on that night before Jesus died on the cross, he did say, all of you, all of you are going to desert me. And Peter said, no, even if everybody else does, I never will. And Jesus had to tell Peter this very night, before the rooster crows twice, 
you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter was adamant, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. But it was, as Jesus said, he was arrested, all of his disciples fled. And Peter went into a courtyard, a distance from where Jesus was being questioned and tried. And as he was warming his hands by the fire, he was asked, you're one of them, aren't you? And three times, no, I'm not a follower. No, I was not with him. No, I don't even know that man. And then he heard the rooster crow. And Peter realized what he had done. And he went out and he wept bitterly. And after a kangaroo court trial, Jesus was crucified, but he rose from the dead on that first Easter Sunday. Our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. Over the last couple of Sundays, we have celebrated that and looked at Easter and the women finding the empty tomb and Jesus appearing to Peter, appearing to two on the road to Emmaus, and then appearing to a group gathered in a locked room. They were there out of fear. So now as we come to chapter 21 of John's Gospel, we have seven disciples who are gathered together, and Peter says to them, I'm going fishing. And the others say, okay, we're with you, we'll come too. They know that Jesus is alive, they're not sure where he is just at that point, so they go back to what they know best and what's comfortable. They go fishing. And they catch nothing all night, so they're making their way at dawn the next morning towards the shore. And there's a man on the shore who calls out to them and says, did you catch anything? And they say no. And he said, well, cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat. And when they do, the net just filled with fish. And John said, Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter jumped out of that boat, about 100 yards from the shore, made his way towards Jesus as the rest of them brought the boat in and the net full of fish. And then we have the most beautiful scene. Jesus has a charcoal fire burning with some fish already cooking on it and some bread there. And he says, come and have breakfast. I've made breakfast for us. And now our scripture passage out of John 21, uh, verses 15 to 19. I'm using the New Living Translation. If you have your Bibles with you, or you can use the, um, the Bible in the, on the back of the seat in front of you. It's the New International. It's on pages 881 and 882. So reading from John chapter 21, verse 15. After breakfast... Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old... You will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. 
Jesus said this to Peter to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me, follow me. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Well, we all know that when somebody uses our full name, sometimes we've heard a parent or an adult say to us our full name, and we know it's time to pay attention. And Jesus uses Peter's full name, Simon, son of John. So Peter's listening. This is going to be serious. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright says that when we, what we read and we hear next and what I just read for you is one of the most spectacular interchanges in our whole Bible, if not in all of literature, he says. And Barclay, another scholar, says this is going to be a conversation that Peter will never forget. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked. And we have to ask, these what? What is Jesus referring to? And the scholar suggests one of three things. Number one, do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than going back to fishing? More than your nets and your equipment and the money that you will get from a large catch of fish? More than your career? Are you prepared to give them all up? Your steady job? Your reasonable comfort? For my work? For my people? Or did Jesus mean, do you love me more than you love these men? You deserted me. You denied me. But you stayed with your friends. Do you love them more? Or did Jesus mean, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? You bragged that you had a devotion for me that was greater than theirs, that even if everyone, even if they all deserted me, you never would. Your courage failed you, Peter. How much do you love me now? And just as Peter had denied Jesus one, two, and three times, Jesus asked Peter, one, do you love me? Two, do you love me, Peter? Three, Peter, do you love me? And three times, Peter replies, Jesus, yes, I love you. I love you, I love you. And Jesus tenderly restores the relationship. In quoting William Barclay, Jesus gave Peter the chance to wipe out the memory of the threefold denial with the threefold declaration of love. I think that's beautiful. If we could hear it, if we could do it for one another. Hear with me how very personal Jesus' forgiveness was for Peter. And we need to hear that it's just as personal for you and for me today. Jesus told the women to go and tell his disciples and Peter that he was alive. Mention them specifically. Jesus actually appeared alone to Peter after his resurrection. We don't have record of that. It's only mentioned twice in our Bibles. I wish we had it. My imagination just runs with that one. But when Peter must have felt completely unworthy after denying his Lord the way he did, Jesus sought him out personally, one-on-one. -on -one. And now we have him here on the shore. And because there's a disciple that's following from a distance behind, we know that Jesus has taken Peter for a walk along the shore. Yes, it was wonderful for Peter, but it's just as wonderful and just as true for you and for me today. Just as personal. He's one-on-one -on -one 
with you and with me. When I was out for a walk this week, the sign at the community college said, if you've never failed, you've never lived. And I understand what they mean by that, but it's so hard to live with our failures, is it not? And I remember hearing a woman on television a number of years ago, and it just stayed with me. I think she was from North Preston. She was giving some advice to a teenage girl, and she said, live so that you will have no regrets. And I could tell by the way that she said it, that she was living with many regrets. Jesus does not just issue one blanket forgiveness statement that just broad brushes all of us. The way he forgives each of us varies, individual to individual. It varies from you to me. It varies from one situation in our lives today to another situation tomorrow. He meets us in our places of personal pain and regret. He comes so close to us, to the real and genuine you and me, not in judgment, not in condemnation, but with love for us to forgive us and heal us and restore us. But sometimes in this scripture passage, we stop at that point. We get the warm fuzzies. Jesus has forgiven Peter. Pat on the back, Peter. It's okay, my friend. Everything is good between us now. But it doesn't stop there. There's more to that passage. Our bulletin covers this morning. Forgiven, restored, and called. Three times, Jesus gives Peter a responsibility, a commissioning, a calling. Go, feed my lambs. Go, take care of my sheep. Go, feed my sheep. We need to hear this story, that with love and forgiveness come responsibility. Not responsibility to earn our forgiveness or to earn Jesus' love. Please don't ever hear that. But a responsibility that comes with love. Do you love me? Jesus asks. Would you agree with this quote from William Barclay? He says, Love is the greatest privilege in the world, but it brings the greatest responsibility. Love always involves responsibility, and it always involves sacrifice. End of quote. Ask any couple celebrating a milestone anniversary, love and responsibility. Ask any parent with a child of any age. Ask anyone with elderly parents who need their care. Let me say it again with Barclay says to us, love is the greatest privilege in the world, but it brings the greatest responsibility. Love always involves responsibility. It always involves sacrifice. On the screen, if you would put it up, from John 13. It was the last night Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and then he went out to face the cross. And he said to them, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. And we know how rich that love is. You should love each other. And he goes on to say, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We're going to talk next week about discipleship. But we could make a long list of how we should love each other, how we should love each other in our families, how we should love each other in our church, how we should love each other at work or at study, in our community. 
But I'd like to leave you with this challenge this morning. I have a friend, not his real name, so I'm going to call him Frank. So if there's anybody by the name of Frank here this morning, I apologize for that. Frank was an alcoholic. He told me that he had to get his life straightened out before he could ever come to church with me or talk about accepting Jesus. Of course he had it backwards. We accept Jesus into our hearts and into our lives, and he walks with us to help us get our lives on track. But my challenge for us is this. Frank had come to that place, found the courage that he was able to go to AA meetings but he could not come to church. He was able to stand up and say, Hi, my name is Frank and I'm an alcoholic. And he was able to tell his story openly in AA meetings about his struggle with alcohol and how hard it was. And he had a buddy because the AA system has a, a buddy system. So he had someone that he could phone any time of the day or night. And they would meet for coffee and that, that person would talk him through those hard times when he was tempted to have a drink. And then he would accept him if he fell off the wagon as well. He found that in AA, but he couldn't find it at church. So I need to ask us this morning, what happens? What happens to us? We become a Christian, we find the love and the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus has for us, and then for some reason we won't admit anymore that being a Christian is hard, it's not easy. I need to say to you this morning, being a Christian is very, very hard. We are under attack. But for some reason we get these thick walls at about a distance of two feet out in front of us, so that we can pretend that as Christians we are now perfect. No temptations, no struggles. These high walls and thick walls so that nobody can touch us and no one can look in. And when do we get these masks on with these perfect smiles? I'm doing great as a Christian, of course. When do we start quoting scripture instead of confessing? and sharing with one another. And I know we don't confess to everyone, everything. We have to be careful. But how many of us, including pastors, are real about our struggles? Admitting that we have done wrong, admitting that we face temptations. How many of us have an accountability partner, a Christian friend, Someone we can turn to so that we won't fall into temptation. Someone we can phone at any time of the day or night. Someone we will get together with often, hopefully once a week. Someone with whom we can be brutally honest. And someone who accepts the real us, warts and all. Someone who will check in with us. And they know exactly the question to ask. And how many of us will do that for others? Instead of judging or condemning someone else who comes to the church or sits beside us on a Sunday, instead of judging or condemning someone in community, instead to feed and to care for Jesus' lambs and his sheep. So our takeaway this morning, how can we sum this up and apply it to our lives? Take it from today, Sunday, into Monday. Number one, Jesus forgives and restores. I found a bookmark in the desk this week. It's a quote by Max Licato. We have been forgiven 
by the only one who could condemn us. We get so hung up on getting other people's approval and that they won't criticize or reject us. Jesus is the only one who could condemn us and instead he forgives us. Jesus was there on that beach with Peter. Peter couldn't be hide behind a mask that day. Peter had done wrong. He knew it. Jesus knew it. And Jesus forgave him and restored relationship with him. Will we be honest about our own lives and receive that forgiveness from Jesus this morning and be restored into a beautiful relationship with him? But number two, does it mean that from that moment on we're going to rise above all problems and temptations and never need forgiveness again? I don't know about you. I don't go to bed any night without having to say, Lord, you know what happened today. Peter went on to be a great, courageous leader, a leader of the faith, and he faced prison rather than deny his Lord again. He died as a martyr for his faith. But it was Paul who tells us there was a point when he challenged Peter publicly for being a hypocrite. Hard to believe, isn't it? Peter was a hypocrite. Message for another day. Paul was a tough accountability partner for Peter, whether Peter wanted it or not. We need to do that for one another out of love. And with his love and forgiveness, Jesus also calls us to responsibility. Love has responsibility attached. Have you ever had to confess to Jesus and you think to yourself, oh, here I am again, the same old thing. Another time, Lord, I've let you down. I've let myself down. Are you ever going to be able to trust me again? And in this story that we have this morning, yes. Jesus will trust us again. He trusted Peter even after those denials. Trusted him to share, trusted Peter to share Jesus' own work, his own ministry. Be a shepherd for me now, Peter. Love my lambs and my sheep and take care of them. Same for us. We are forgiven, we are restored, and we are called. So I'm going to quote N.T. Wright. I don't want to lose the impact of this quote by trying to paraphrase it for you. Wright says, Here is the secret of all Christian ministry, yours and mine, layperson or ordained, full-time or part-time. It is the secret of everything from being a quiet back row member of a prayer group to being a platform speaker at huge rallies and conferences. If you are going to do any single solitary thing as a follower and servant of Jesus, this is what it is built on. Somewhere deep down inside, there is a love for Jesus. And though you've let him down, Many times, he wants to find that love, to give you a chance to express it, to heal the hurts and the failures of the past, and to give you a new work to do. End of quote. Let's pray. Jesus, how we are humbled by your love. You know us. We know us. And yet you just so lovingly get your arms around us and call us to yourself and offer your forgiveness. If there's anyone here this morning who has not received that, we've seen a baptism. I pray, God, that you will just call them to yourself. Let them know how much you love them. Restore us. 
to a relationship with you, that we might walk beside you in a beautiful faith, knowing that you never leave us, you never forsake us, you take our hand, you guide us every step of every day. And Father, you also are calling us to a work. We may know what that work is this morning, we may not. But attached to your love for us, you have a calling because you trust us. So you've called us to come as disciples, to be followers of you. But you're not going to send us out there alone. You walk beside us in that as well. So in that calling, you are right there beside us. Help us to be faithful. Help us to love each other. Help us to be honest with each other. Help us to encourage and support each other as we walk together as a church family, as we walk hand in hand with you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.